but we're going to read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4 in a moment. Paul in the book of Romans is really instructing us in what is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's teaching us the truth. Now, even though many of us in this room, probably pretty near all of us in this room, have a relationship with God in some way, we don't really live the truth. We don't really live it because we don't understand it, and we don't understand it because often we don't know it. But in the book of Romans, Paul systematically teaches us the truth about what Christianity and what being a Christian is all about. In Romans chapter 7, which we looked at last time, Paul outlined the futility of living life our way. Now, when we become Christians, we don't automatically switch into living God's life God's way, do we? No, we don't. We ac accept God into our lives, and we carry on living life our way, and we wonder why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because we weren't created to live life our way. We were created to live life God's way. But we have got into a habit of doing things our way. So we have to unlearn that habit. That's what the Christian life is about. And in Romans 7, you've got the dilemma of a person who hasn't really got God in their lives. They're living life their way. And Paul's saying it doesn't work. It's frustrating. It, you have goals, you have visions, you have dreams, but they just don't happen because you're doing it your way. And human effort or living by the law results only in frustration. That's what he's teaching us in Romans chapter 7. So if you've got a temptation to go back to living life your way, forget about it. It won't work. You'll just be frustrated, totally frustrated and, and, and depressed. There's a much more fulfilling way to live. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul moves into that fulfillment, what it really means to live free. We can live free because of what Christ has done for us, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. That is what the book of Romans is trying to hammer into us over and over and over again. It's not about what we have done or what we can do. It's about what he has done and about what he does. And our role is just to allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives. And as I, as I keep on saying, these notes are at the back. If you want to grab those, that's fine. You can just hop up and grab a, grab a set if you want to have those. Someone asked me the other day, what does the R of 48 at the top mean? If you've got the notes, you look at that. Oh, what's that? That's for me. These are my notes. That's my reference number where, where it gets saved so that when I go to my computer, I can find them again. That's all that is, okay? There's nothing spiritual about it. It's just I didn't take it off. That's all. So now you know. Yeah, you've had revelation this morning. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, shall we? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. If you like, this is a summary of the whole of the teaching of Romans. This is really it in a nutshell. What we could not do, God has done. What we could not do in ourselves, God on the cross through the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus became a sin offering for us. 
in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. He condemned sin and sinful man. Notice it did not condemn sinful man. He condemned sin within the man. Okay. And we're going to see a little bit more about that this morning. Therefore, Paul says. Now, wherever you see a therefore, you've got to think, okay, it's there for a reason. What's it there for? He's talking about what has gone before. All he's going to say is based on what he's already said. What he's going to say now is based on what we now know. If you don't know what we've just talk, he's just talked about, what comes after makes no sense. Therefore, as a result of what Jesus has done for us on the cross through faith and grace, not our works, there is now no condemnation. Next word, now. This is at this present time, right now. Therefore, right now, there is no, not even one, not one bit, nothing. Please hear me, this is important. There is now no, there is now no, not even one, not even one what? Condemnation. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means sentence or verdict of condemnation, judgment against. There is no judgment against you this morning in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, there is no condemnation, no judgment over your life at all. The good news is because of Christ, there is absolutely nothing hanging over our lives to condemn us. We are free. So, I ask the question, and you're sitting there asking the question also, how come I feel so bad? How come I feel so bad about me? How come I feel guilty still? How come I still feel guilty for the things I have done or the things that have gone on in my life? How come I still feel so bad about me? How come there are things, there are, there are voices within me still telling me I am no good? If that is true, if there is now, at this present time, not even one, nothing, no condemnation, how come I feel condemned? Day after day after day. The first 20 years of my Christian life, I went through this, this weird sort of existence, knowing I was free and feeling bound. Huh? Knowing Jesus loved me, and feeling unloved, knowing there was no condemnation and yet always feeling condemned. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's the lot of almost every Christian, if we were a little bit honest. Most of us live defeated in some way. Why? The problem is we don't understand what Paul is talking about here. There is no condemnation. We don't understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Two different things, but we get them confused. There's a little story in John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11. Keep your finger or something 
in Romans and flick over to John. John chapter 8. In some manuscripts, this isn't even there. But I think it's a good story. John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11. Verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. We don't know what he wrote, and it's not worth speculating. It doesn't matter. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then he said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. He didn't say, what you're doing is okay. He did not say, I ignore your life. He's not saying what they caught you doing was a good thing to do. He's saying, I do not condemn you, but change your lifestyle. That is interesting because here we've got in this little passage these two little words. We've got the people who brought her wanting to condemn her. And Jesus says, I do not condemn you. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But then we've got this other little word, conviction which is actually what you're doing is not good. Stop it. <laughs> now, the people who brought her were not interested in the truth. We need to understand that. They were not interested in the truth being po pointed out. Or they would have brought two people. How many people does it take to commit adultery? You ever thought about that? Where's the guy? They were only interested in one thing, and that was destroying her and trapping him. They were interested in killing, stealing, and destroying, not bringing life. Condemnation is destructive, and it's cruel. But Jesus did point out her wrong. Conviction points us to life. Conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's God reminding us that the pathway we're on is destructive. God always guides us to put things right. That's what Jesus did with the woman. He said, Don't, just go and sin no more. Conviction is always aimed at building us up. Why did he say go and sin no more? Because her lifestyle was destructive. And he said if you carry on living that way, it will pull you down. Stop it. That's conviction. It's a good thing. If your child's going to put their hand on the heater, you say stop it because you know it's going to bring destruction. 
You're not being a meanie. You're not being horrible. You are leading them to life. Conviction leads to life. Condemnation has its aim as death. Conviction is aimed at what we have done. Condemnation points at who we are. Big difference. In 2 Samuel 12, we, won't, we haven't got time this morning, but there's another story of David and Bathsheba. David has just committed adultery with Bathsheba, probably a similar situation to this woman. And David's got away with it, he thinks. And on his daily routine, Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him a little story. And you can read it in Samuel if you want to read the story for yourself. But he tells him a little story, and David gets really indignant about the story, about the unfairness of the situation. And he says, the person who did that should die. And Nathan says, you are the person. And David says, oh, I have sinned. God, forgive me. And Nathan says, you are forgiven. Now, that's interesting. Because condemnation would say, you must die. But Nathan says, God has forgiven you. Now, it's interesting that the way this is done. We need to listen to this very carefully. God pointed out David's sin in order to lead him to repentance. This wasn't a personal attack on David. God did not come to David through Nathan and say, David, you are a dirty, rotten scumbag. You are the most disgusting king I have ever had. You don't deserve to grace this earth. You are just a worm. Grovel, David. God did not come to him through the prophet like that. He just said, David, you are the man. God pointed out his sin in order to bring him to repentance. It was done privately. No one knew. Isn't that interesting? He's the figurehead. He's the leader of the nation, and yet God comes to him privately in the secret place. Only one other man knew, Nathan the prophet. It wasn't shouted from the rooftops. It wasn't gossiped about in the streets. God didn't tell 15 people, and 15 people tell another 64. One man came to one man, and it was sorted. You see, conviction is always a matter between us and God. It's nobody else's business. The Holy Spirit convicts. He never condemns. So conviction aims at building us up. It aims at making us better. God only tells us something so that we can go on to something better. It's never personal, and it's always constructive. It's aimed at our well-being. So, if you have done something or are doing something that you shouldn't do and God speaks to you about it, that should be the feeling you have. I have been lovingly directed towards life. But on the other hand, condemnation aims at pulling us down. It's totally personal. It's always destructive, and it's aimed at our destruction. If a thought comes to you that you are no good, that you are useless, that you will never amount to anything, that's condemnation. That's not God. 
So this is how it works. This is how it worked in me. I'm sure it works in you the same. You've done something wrong, or you are doing something wrong, or your lifestyle isn't quite right. Like all of our lifestyles aren't quite right, by the way. (laughs) Say you've said something to somebody you shouldn't have said, or maybe you've done something you shouldn't have done, or maybe your attitude has been what it should not have been, or maybe you'd like to do something to somebody and haven't quite done it yet. And God comes to you and convicts you about it. There is that sense of, oh, sorry. And there's that putting it right. But as soon as that happens, something else happens. This was all the time with me. And it's still a temptation. It still has that temptation to come. God convicts me, and then something else happens. Another voice. You're no good. You will never amount to no. How hopeless can you be? You've done it again. You've got the you've got the gall to call yourself a Christian. You you go along to that church, you're just a hypocrite. You don't even deserve to live on the planet. You, you're just a waste of space to God. What can God do with you? And this goes on in our heads over and over and over and over again. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's condemnation. That is not from God. That's another voice. Because Paul says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling bad about yourself this morning, that's not from God. God will convict. Yes, he will talk to us about what we are doing, but it will always be to lift us up, not to put us down. So I ask the question, where does condemnation come from? Where does that little voice, that little, you're just... What a waste of space you are. You are just hopeless. Where does that come from? I felt spent 20 years of my Christian life feeling like that, battling that. Where does it come from? Let's go to the book of Zechariah. Keep your finger still in Romans. Might go back there if we're lucky. Zechariah, chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament right near the end. Don't know where it is. Just flick like I'm doing. If you get to Matthew, you've gone too far. Flick back a couple of chapters. Okay, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. Then God showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to condemn or accuse him. Notice where the devil was standing at his right hand. Here's Joshua, the high priest, standing before God, and here's Satan at his right hand, standing to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is, this not, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. The point of this passage is Satan had every right to accuse him because he was dressed, but he was before God dressed filthy. He was before God filthy, and the devil was pointing this out. And God said, turned around and said to the devil, Shut up. The Lord rebuke you. You have no right to speak to my child like that. 
And the point of this passage is, who is it who condemns us? It's the devil. It's our opposition. Revelation 12.10 says, The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. His name is accuser, adversary, the one who comes against us. We have an adversary, people. You've got to wake up to that. You have opposition. You have a person who doesn't want you to make it. The devil is the source of condemnation. His aim, as Jesus taught us, is to kill, steal, and destroy. So when God, through the Holy Spirit, convicts, the devil comes in and seeks to condemn instantly. So the two go hand in hand. Conviction comes, then condemnation comes. That's why we stay defeated. Conviction comes to lift us up. Condemnation squashes us down. How does he do it? He does it directly through our own thinking, because you're so used to thinking badly about yourself. He just goes into your thinking pattern. He just fits into your self-condemnation. That's his greatest weapon, people. It's his greatest weapon against you, to pull you down, tell you you're no good, and tell you you never amount to anything. And the bad news is, he also uses people. And we haven't got time either, but in, in 2 Samuel chapter 15, there's a little story about Absalom, David's son. I'll tell you the story in verses 1 to 6. Absalom had an pro- a, uh, attitude towards David. We won't go into that. But Absalom used to go into the gateway. The gateway is where the, the, the rulers of the people sit. Absalom would go into the gateway of the city, and as people were coming through the gateway, he'd say, oh, has the king had time for you today? No. Oh, if I were king, I'd have time for you. Oh, has the king spoken to you in the last few weeks? Oh, no, no. Oh, if I were the king, I'd talk to you. Oh, did David do anything about that little problem you came to him with? No. Oh, if I was the king, I'd do something about that little problem. And it says, Absalom used to speak about David like this day after day after day, and he won the hearts of the people away from David. Absalom didn't outrightly attack David. He just used used hints and insinuation. It was a subtle attack on David's reputation, an attack upon his character, an attack upon his performance, and it was aimed at pulling him down. The bad news is God uses people like that today all the time. All the time. Even, oh, hold on, even in the church. This happens. Especially in the church, this happens. I've been in church almost all of my life. And I want you to know this happens. Because people are broken people. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with the condemnation that comes to us directly? How do we deal with the condemnation that comes to us subtly 
through the voices of other people. Often accidentally, by the way. They're not nasty people. It's just human behavior. How do we deal with it? First of all, we've got to recognize its source. We've got to know where it really comes from. Condemnation is never from God because Paul says there is now no condemnation. So if you are feeling condemned, it's not through God. If it's come through another person, it's still not through God. What's its source? Revelation 12.10, the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the Christian is the source. The devil is the accuser. So we recognize its source. I am feeling stink about myself. Why? What's the source? We've got to be smart. We're just too easily put off. We've got to realize what's going on in our little world. We have someone who's trying to pull us down. What's the source? Where is it coming from? It might be coming through a person, but that's not the source. That's the pipe. The source is the one who sent it. It's the devil. Secondly, deal with the source first. How many of us don't do this? James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of us put up with rubbish and never deal with the source? I do all the time. We're stupid, aren't we? We just put up with stuff. Oh, I'm feeling, oh God, I'm such a bad person. He says, come on, deal with the source. That's not from me. That feeling's not from me. That thought's not from me. That condemnation's not from me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why are you still feeling condemned? Deal with the source. How do you deal with the source? He says, resist the devil in James. Resist the devil. Take authority over him in Jesus' name. I, I speak to that condemnation in Jesus' name, and I tell it to go. That is not from God. I will not accept that thought about me. I will not accept that I'm a worm. I am not a worm. I am a child of God. I will not accept I'm hopeless. Jesus died for me. He doesn't die for the hopeless. I will not accept I am no good. He loves me. Use spiritual weapons. Come on, we've got to get awake. Let's begin to use the spiritual weapons we have. Use the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I tell that thinking to go. In Jesus' name, I break the power of that thing and begin to speak out the truth. There's no condemnation. Say that to yourself. No, 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 no. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus, therefore there's no condemnation, so I will not accept that. Start to speak to yourself. I'm free in Jesus' name. I'm declared to be in the right. I am righteous. Yeah, I know you're still naughty, but before God, I'm righteous. I am in the right. That's how God sees me. What I'm feeling right now is not what God is seeing. What I'm feeling right now is not what God is sending. It's not from Him. God loves me. God accepts me. I'm His child. Start to say this stuff to yourself. Start to speak it. Use spiritual weapons. But what if it comes through people? Such an attack is usually indirect. 
It's usually to others about us. Donna will talk to Linda, who will talk to Aaron, who will talk to me. That's the way it works. If Donna's going to say something, she won't say it to me. She'll, it'll, it'll, uh, this isn't the way it, it, she, she doesn't operate like this. That's why I picked those people. But that's how it works, doesn't it? Come on. Little birdie talks to another little birdie, and another little birdie talks to another little birdie, and another little birdie talks to another little birdie, and round the church it goes, and eventually, a month later, we hear it. Oh, how nice. They're all talking about me. And it's not nice. And then the devil says, they're all talking about you. (laughs) Actually, it's three people. (laughs) They all think nasty things about you. You shouldn't go there anymore because they hate you. Come on. This is real, isn't it? (laughs) I don't want to go to church today. You've got to go to church today. I don't want to go to church today. You've got to go to church today. Why should I go to... You're the pastor. (laughs) Happens to me too, by the way. If you think I'm immune, get over it. Happens to me too. How do you deal with it? Number one, deal with the source. It's not people, it's the devil. Take authority over it in Jesus' name. Begin to stand in your right and say, I will not have this. Now, you don't talk to a person that way. You go to a private place. Look at the one who's doing it. Look into his filthy face and say, get out of here. Get out of here. You're you're not pulling me down. I'm not going to be pulled down by this sort of rubbish. It's all it is. Hmm. Get angry. And then you ask yourself a question. This is if it's come through another person. Is that person's opinion important? Does it really matter what they think of me? Will their opinion stop me getting into heaven? In fact, can their opinion stop me doing anything? Does it really matter? If Aaron doesn't like me? (laughs) Do you know what? It doesn't matter at all. I've said to you several times, you probably thought, what a rude thing to say. I've said to you, I don't really care what you think. And do you know what? I don't. If you don't like me, I don't care. Because God loves me, and he likes me, and that's all that matters. Of course I care a little bit, because I wouldn't be human if I didn't, but I've got to tell myself I don't care. You know that old saying as kids, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Well, it's not quite true, but you've got to start making it true. Because otherwise, names will hurt you all your life. And there's always going to be someone who's going to call you names. And there's always going to be someone who will misunderstand you. And there's always going to be someone who will tell somebody else about you. And we've got to get over it. Because that's the way the devil pulls us down. Because, oh, it shouldn't happen in church. There's people in church that's going to happen. 
Come on, let's get over it. There's people here, so it's going to happen because people are broken things. And broken, hurt things hurt things. And it's, it, it shouldn't, but shouldn't's a dumb word because it does. But what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to deal with this stuff. I take authority over the spirit that's behind this in Jesus' name. I will not have condemnation in my life because there is now no condemnation to me because I'm in Christ Jesus. (laughs) And if you're talking about me, your opinion is not important to me. Now, I'm not saying this because there's all this stuff going on. I'm saying this because this is a place full of humans. And it does go on. This is a better church than most. But I'm sure it still does go on. Now, for all of us who hear this kind of stuff, I've got five questions you need to ask of the person who's talking to you. Because this is how it happens. I talk to Aaron. Aaron talks to somebody else. So before Aaron talks to somebody else, he should ask me these five questions. You ready? Number one, why are you telling me this in the first place? Why do I need to know this? What's this got to do with me? Why? Now you ask ask that question of a person who's telling you a nice juicy bit of gossip, but they'll, they'll go away straight away. Why are you telling I don't need to listen to this. Have you ever done that? <laughs> it works. They don't tell you anymore and they'll never come to you again. Why are you telling me this? You know, people often pass on negative information because of their own brokenness. Hurt people hurt people. So what we need to do as God's people is learn to stop it before it starts. Best way to stop a rumor is to say to the person who's telling you the rumor, why are you telling me this? I don't need to hear that. Mm. Haven't got me there, I'll go away. You you can't pass something on if ears won't hear it. Another nasty little question I want you to ask yourself, if people are always coming to you with this stuff, ask yourself, why they come to me? I'll leave that with you, just think about it. I want you to know no one comes to me with that kind of stuff. Never. I haven't heard this. People say to me, oh, there's gossip going. I don't know. I've never heard it. They don't come to me. Do you know why? Number one. Why are you telling me this? Do I need to hear this? Second question, ask them, where did you get that information from? Oh, did you hear about it? Who told you that? Where'd you get that from? Good question. They don't like letting you know their source. Oh, there's at least 15 other people. Someone told me that one time, not in this church. Oh, there's, there's heaps of people are saying this about you. Oh, that's interesting. How many? Oh, two. 
I, I, love, that, I love that passage in um, um, uh, Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the, 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 the temple, the, the, the city wall. And, and they come to him and say, oh, everybody says you're a such and such, such and such, such and such. And Geshem says. Actually, the only one who was talking was Geshem. It's usually one. Who are they? Third question. Have you gone to the person this is about and told them? Come with me, I'll take you. Oh, oh, no thank you. Fourth, have you personally checked out the facts? Do you know this is true? And five, can I quote you? When I go to check this out, can I say, oh, Aaron told me. Can I do that? Oh, no, no, no. Ah, it's a birdie. See, the way to stop this stuff, this is very practical this morning. The way to stop this stuff is don't pass on personal negative information about anybody. Just don't let it get past you. Let it die with you. Now, there's only one time things must not die with you. And that's if there's an aspect of harm or abuse in it. If someone's going to do themselves harm, if it's suicide or something like that, you need to act on it. But you don't tell 15 other people. You go to the right person, you act on it. If it's about abuse of some kind, you've got to act on it. But everything else is none of our business. I'll pick on him again. If Aaron hasn't painted his house for five years, who cares? Who, who cares? It's none of my business. Is it? It's his house. If it falls down, it's his problem. What business is it of mine what he's doing? Let it die with you. Be the last link in the chain. And you know what? If you're the last link in the chain, it's gone. Birdies only flutter because you give them wings. So as a church, we need to decide we will never be a tool in the enemy's hands to condemn. That's why when we have membership, I read out that thing about what love really is, where it says, you will never knowingly suffer at my hands. That's the way we need to be towards one another. I will never knowingly cause you to suffer. If you're going through a hard time, it's none of my business why unless you tell me. And if somebody else tells me, it's none of their business. It's up to the person themselves to talk to me about their lives. Hmm? Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to finish with this. See, I told a lie. We didn't go back to Romans, did we? Preachers lie. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I'm actually, because of the clock, we're just moving through. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Listen to this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How many efforts? Two? Oh, I've really tried twice today. That's enough. Every effort to keep what? The unity of the Spirit, which means to build up those around me. I take every effort to build you up, to keep this place together, to keep this people loving one another. I take every effort. It means I control my mouth. It means I control my ears. It means I choose what I listen to and I choose what I speak to. I will only speak that which builds you up and I will only listen to what builds you up. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I will not be a bearer of condemnation and I will not be a listener to condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That'll do. You got the point. I'm not growling. It's just what the Bible said, so I've got to say it, don't I? But there's people here this morning who are feeling condemned. I know that. I know that you'll be condemning yourself. I know that your circumstances will be bringing condemnation upon you. I know that you'll have heard voices about you that are condemning you. But the Bible... The truth of the Word of God to you this morning is there is now no condemnation to you if you are in Christ Jesus. You are not to carry it out of this room because it's not yours. It's not yours. It belongs to someone else who's going to hell. You don't want life to be hell now because you're carrying his rubbish. Satan, I'm not taking this. I'm not carrying this any longer. It's not mine. Because in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. There's conviction, and that's for us to work on. But there is no condemnation. I want us just to close our eyes this morning, just before we go home. And this morning, if you have been experiencing over the last few days, weeks, months, years even, that sense of condemnation that you are no good, that you're bad, that whatever, maybe even you've heard people talking about you and you're just feeling bad about that. While our eyes are closed, I just want you to lift up both hands to the Lord and say, God, I give you this feeling that has not come from you. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm sure there's more than that. Be honest. There's stuff that's been going on in your life and you're feeling bad about it or you're carrying stuff or somebody said something about you and it's pulled you down. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, God, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. God, I give this to you right now in Jesus' name. I declare over these people this morning, there is therefore now no condemnation 
in Christ Jesus. You do not have to carry this one day, one minute, one second longer. It's not yours to carry. I lift it off you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I speak freedom and life into our thinking. I speak freedom and life into our being. Lord, I thank you that in you we are free. Yes, if there's things to be dealt with, we deal with them. If there's things to be done, we do them. But Lord, there is no condemnation. I will not carry this one moment longer. In Jesus' name.